The title of this evening's Dharma talk is Wisdom Has No Owner. Wisdom, which is uh, in Tibetan is Yeshe, and uh, Sanskrit is Shana, Shnana. <coughs> Prajna is insight. Prajna. So, how is that? You should say more. So the idea of uh, not having an owner just is basically saying that that you can't become wise. You can't gain wisdom. It tends to look like that initially when we first start the provisional teachings, the beginning teachings. We start out not wanting to be unwise or crazy or confused, and we want some kind of clarity or understanding. So the the path starts out as kind of looking like we can get somewhere, kind of a materialistic orientation when we begin. And as we go along, we need to, um, you could say give up, but it's almost like we don't really give up reference points. It's like they just become um, kind of beside the point. <clears throat> and this idea of wisdom or being very, very clear about the nature of one's own self, one's consciousness, and the nature of the world completely. We call it wisdom. We call it transcendental knowledge, transcendental knowledge, or all the other fancy words, tathagatagarbha, dharmata, Buddha nature, and so on. Seems necessary to have a path quality to, towards getting uh, more clear, but we start out with working with our negativity, wherever our, uh, whatever our, uh, problems, issues, challenges, however you want to say it, are. We, as practitioners of the Dharma, we meet those directly. And the best way to meet those directly to begin with is by sitting down, as it's taught here, sit down, face the wall. Sit down, hold still with all the senses open and just watch the way you keep avoiding your birthright. In other words, turning away from your wisdom, from your inherent clarity. It's like the, the light is too bright. We can't handle that. The ego mind, the self-centered mind, the narcissistic mind wants control, wants to hang on to objects, things, accomplishments, and for that matter, uh, failures. wants to hang on. Operating through the six sense fields, including the mind, we are always looking, strategizing, looking for some way of getting ahead, some way of not falling behind, some way of not losing. This is sometimes called the eight worldly dharmas. And just to name a few, just success and failure, 
most people, most societies, most cultures, unless there's some kind of emphasis on a spiritual path or a path that deeply understands what it is to be a living being. This can, doesn't, isn't confined to Buddhism alone. It could be lots of other ways. Indigenous people in this country had an idea, it seems, to, of how to how to live in a sacred world. So the idea of having no owner for your clarity, your wisdom, your insight, your ability to see deeply into the true nature of this. doesn't show up with a, some kind of a credential or an accomplishment badge. Ah, getting there. And my teacher, Jogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, who's a parinirvana or anniversary of his passing was just uh, uh, celebrated, you could say, or observed, might be a better word, last uh, April 4th. His photograph is still on the altar. Said, uh, the path to liberation, to seeing clearly what this is, is one disappointment after the other until the final disappointment, which is realization itself. So another way of saying that, it's, it's that your reference points, your guardrails, your, your clarity about the mundane aspect of the path begins to collapse. If you're in the relative world, if you're talking to someone who is steeped in some kind of relative situation of correcting you, making you better, doing something with you as if you were a solid, real, ongoing situation, um, and that your basic nature was uh, like a machine or mechanical, then you might get treated with that uh, approach. And you might be cured, saved from being crazy or from being confused for a while, but nothing lasts. Nothing, nothing lasts in the sense that any kind of relative cure or help or support is because just a, because of the nature of impermanence is going to go away. It might be there for 30 years. So the idea of what uh, Trungpa Rinpoche was talking about, not that I chatted with him about it, but it looks like he meant that as you went along, uh, it was there's going to be less and less feeling of getting somewhere. Um, more and more kind of disappointment. It's uh, that uh, the path to awakening, the path to clarity, to the path to enlightenment, to use the classical word, enlightenment. The Sanskrit is Anutriya Samyak Sambodhi, which means complete, unexcelled, nothing further. Anutra, nothing further than this. There's no further enlightenment than this of the Buddha. That that is, the path to that is one failing, one disappointment after another until the final disappointment, was, which is realization itself. And the disappointment part seems to come from having an idea of what this would be like, 
and having it not, not be that. You can't know if you're wise. If you think you're wise, uh, you are just puffed up. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you are wise. You could ask, is there some kind of proof? Do we know that we're we're headed in the right headed in the right direction. Do we have a, a good teacher? Are we, are, are we being manipulated or controlled? Is uh, is this teaching that have some kind of basic validity to it? So if it's about disappointment, how how can that show up as something that you would want to con- want to continue to do? <coughs> it's a good uh, question that I just asked. Anybody want to answer that? <laughs> <clears throat> what seems to happen is because the the grasping, the self-centeredness, the narcissism that arises in most human beings and in society in general, in our culture in general, it even reifies it. Our culture even supports it and keeps it going. Just the whole idea of opinions, the idea that opinions could be somehow supportive of people. What's your opinion about such and such and such? It's, uh, that is just more and more, just a labyrinth of confusion that goes into opinions. Opinions are supports that protect the, the flimsiness of our belief in uh, an ego or self. Sitting practice of meditation, sitting down, hold still, and uh, hour after hour, day after day, year after year, watch what happens in the mind, in the, in the mind stream. Just observe it. Don't add on to it with your ideas, your opinions, your interpretations. And don't uh, detract with your judgments, your evaluations, your prescriptions for something better. And don't distract yourself or shut down or turn away or go into some other dimension so that it isn't quite so uncomfortable for your awareness. Interesting thing about this, the way I'm saying it here, is you may have to look at a lot of uh, self-deception. You may have to look at the self-deception without repairing it or fixing it or diluting it or toning it down. Just look at it. It's, It's so very simple that it is highly challenging because it looks like something needs to be done. You need to do something. We've all said this to somebody or had it said to us, well, you can't just sit there. Yeah, you can. <clears throat> and from this point of view, you should. Before this body-mind that is, uh, that is in this room that you call me, before this collapses and goes back into the five elements, are there five? Depends on who you ask, I guess. Yeah. Well, I'm asking you. I don't know. Good answer. There's five. (laughs) We'll go with that. So, in other words, earth, air, fire, wind. What's that other one? Smoke? 
Before that, your whole sensorium, your whole life, body, speech, mind, all of that before it collapses and goes back into where it came from, where it came from, or possibly goes into the mouth of a tiger. Who knows what will happen? But it won't last, and it's not—it's not like it's nihilistic <coughs> or or, or a negative. It's just true. We just need to be aware that that is happening. And so, what's being recommended here is train your mind and find out who you are, what this is, and how do we do that? Again, as I said, I've said fifteen hundred times. You have to look at the negativity. If when negativity arises, you do anything with it. You just postpone. You just might as well be just laminating over your wisdom mind. You just postpone the time. You just continue to go in circles until possibly somebody will come along and kick you. Or maybe they won't kick you. Maybe they'll just say, where are you headed? And you'll say, I'm going that way. But what they're seeing is this. You think it's a straight line. The very nature of confusion is to think that circles are straight lines. I can keep talking, or you could ask a question. When you're meditating, um, how do you stop yourself from getting swept away with the current of your thoughts if you're not inputting or detracting from them? Good question. So how do you stop yourself? Uh, to start, you, you don't stop yourself. You, the, only, the only job, again, from this point of view, there's other ways of teaching meditation, probably hundreds of them. But the way it looks here is that your only job is hold still, as, as still as possible, pardon me, without being rigid, and watch that torrent of of uh, energy wanting to go away, wanting something else, daydreaming, uh, going this way, going that way. Just observe it. Do nothing with it. Do not meddle with your confusion. Respect your confusion. If you if you meddle with your confusion, it just creates more current and more, you know, more snakes in the grass. It's just unending. You just constantly are doing this, and it, it can get really, really painful. So don't do it. And at the same time, don't cover it up. It's basically in Buddhism, it's called the three poisons. Cover up as ignorance, uh, explaining or justifying or blaming, blaming this, blaming that. Any kind of elaboration on it is uh, passion, attachment, clinging. And the other one, of course, is just out, out and out going to war with something and trying to chop it to pieces or choke it. Bite his head off. So just look, just looking at it, just it's just like sitting on a train. You're just looking out the window. Everything that goes past in the window is interesting, confusing, changing, and it's none of your business. Treat your thoughts, your thought patterns the same way. You don't have to constantly lecture yourself, but just if you just hold your body still and watch what is happening, then the awareness, your actual wisdom mind, is watching that. You don't have to create a wisdom mind. More? Hey, yes, but I don't know how to phrase it, so I will. Give it a shot. 
I guess it would be when you're in those those that torrent of thought. How do you observe without without being? I, I guess it's kind of feels like drowning. Drowning. Um, when you're in those um, when you're in those thoughts, and you you get mm-hmm. to that point where your thoughts overwhelm to the point where you can't even observe. It feels like. Well, if it's if it's horrible, then get up and go make a sandwich. Okay. You know, I mean, don't we're not trying to torture ourselves. On the other hand, stay there as long as you can, within reason, and hold the body still so you can see the texture of the torrents, the texture of the drowning, so you can actually watch the drowning. It's always about awareness. The very word Buddhism is awakened, the awakened, awakening, or uh, Buddha, Buddha nature, or, or the Buddha, the awakened one. The, what, did the, what did the Buddha awake to? Nothing is separate dependent origination that they're even though they're separate beings here that fundamentally they're we're separated but fundamentally they're we're not separate and and that when we see that we're not separate that starts to uh, become your uh, if you want to call it a reference point it's not somewhat eventually even that one uh, is a, a relative truth or half truth even that. It's just to help us along. It's like looking at a map. It's like looking at a recipe. It's like looking at a menu. You can't eat a menu. You'll starve to death. Unless it's made of cabbage. <laughs> Hard to find those. More? You? Questions? Sir? What is it that observes self-deception? So we look for some kind of a reference point of what is it then it's uh, the actual the actual questioner that's saying what is it that's what's looking at it <laughs> it's it's a hair's breadth deviation if you if you deviate at all from what's right in front of any of the sense fields you're then you go into delusion don't move and if things are moving then just observe don't be don't be seduced by movement don't be seduced by stillness. Don't believe, don't disbelieve, don't look away. Yes, sir? Uh, is asking that question, or that that arises, the questioner, um, is that also self-deception? Not exactly. Somewhat. Not exactly. There's some kind of, something, uh, something moving around in that area. That's more like uh, looking at it. It's more like observing it, and less like adding to the confusion. But we, we need to ask questions, and, and of course, the response is going to be going to be in a relative way because it's just the way language works. <clears throat> in Buddhism, it's uh, the the uh, fourth uh, skanda or concept is operating with the other uh, skanda form, feeling, perception, concept, and then consciousness of so the six sense fields and their objects are all coming together to form what me. Me and my world, my stuff, what I like, what I don't like, who's really nice, uh, who sucks. You know, I mean, we just have to, we're just full of all of these uh, paradigms for uh, everything that's out there. So, so it's a matter of, over time, slowly training ourselves to just, as it says in the, in the, the vows, be with all things. Like this uh, banner or this uh, scroll behind me here says, as it is. What, whatever it is, that's it. We're looking for reality, looking for the truth, 
looking for happiness, it's right in front of you. It may not be the kind of happiness uh, that is relative, that is opposed to torture. Or the, uh, it's, it's not a relative situation. It's, it's fundamental. <clears throat> Excuse me, it is not a feeling. Someone who is clear, someone who, is, uh, who, is, uh, who understands what this is, uh, is not concerned whether they have negative or positive or neutral feelings. They're just observing them. So if, if positive feelings arise, great. Negative feelings arise, great. They don't even say great. It's just a way of talking about it. Not affected by emotions or thoughts. They don't believe it, don't disbelieve it, and don't look away. Not separate, yes. What is fundamental happiness? There are different ways of saying it. One of them would be dispassion. And this doesn't mean that you don't have emotions or feelings. But you don't you don't add anything on to what's occurring. So and you no longer see that your yourself is being separate from anything. And it's not a thought about it. It's it's actually that. The, all the things that are separated, life, death, happiness, sadness, rich, poor, mice, cats. And think about that one. Are not separate. They they get their meaning from their opposite. They actually, if you look at one thing, there's something else running around uh, contradicting that, going the other way. It's the way the structure of physical universe is set up. <clears throat> look at the atom. When's the last time you looked at an atom? Okay. Polarity, just the polarity aspect of it. The polarities just collapse. And at the same time, they collapse. Nothing has happened, because it was always that way. It was always, as it says in the Dzogchen teachings, the great perfection. Nothing needs to be repaired. Nothing needs to be fixed. In the midst of the dissatisfaction, there is satisfaction. Michael? Uh, is what arises in awareness awareness itself? Before you said it, it was. But then you went and messed it all up. <laughs> yes, not separate. It's separated. Everything is separating. It's quite a quite a, a, a sideshow. It's quite a it's quite a um, you know uh, as as a as Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage. That kind of yes. What about speaking about it negates it. Uh, if you, it doesn't negate it if you don't believe it. You don't believe it, you don't disbelieve it. If I believed or if I disbelieved or believed my thoughts, I could not do this. I mean, what, when I say do this, I mean sit up here and make a fool of myself. Like I talked about earlier, who did I? Yeah, it's that fool right there. <laughs> I couldn't do this. And what am I, what am I saying? I'm saying, not that what I'm saying doesn't have, carry some... Uh, Understanding, but there's no there's no follow up to it. There's no there's no, there's nothing behind it. There's no backup. <clears throat> I have to excuse my clearing my throat because I know William has to get on there and find a way to erase that. <laughs> yes. Uh, Shane from California has a question. Shane. 
He asks, are we always returning to the five elements? Is he speaking about death? Well, you said earlier that we're made of the five elements. Yes. Yeah, the body is returning. This is this body is made of food, which is made of fire, earth, water. So we're, this is maintained through eating other living things. And so the, what we think we are is, is going down. It, just, it arose and we've identified with it and then it will go down. But who we actually are isn't going anywhere. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Um, another question uh, up in Muskegon. We've got uh, with Jim Johnson, Tammy, Amber, Eric are all watching tonight. And the question: Could you please discuss if looking for the truth and grasping for the truth are different? Can awakening happen without intention? Yes, that's always the way it happens. question on YouTube from Shane in Grand Rapids. Um, okay. what, what is the Buddha's view on the sacred nature of the world? Does it compare with indigenous people's view? I don't know. I haven't, <clears throat> I haven't checked with the Buddha. So I don't know what he would think. But uh, It's just that there, the, the polarity has gone out of this is good, this is bad, this is right, this is wrong. This is this should be uh, supported. This other should be taken apart. And it's not that something negative shouldn't be dealt with, as it is, but to add on the right and wrong ahead of time to have a, some kind of a preset idea of what to object to and what to agree with, like a philosophy or something. Or um, that it's not that that can't work in some way, in a beneficial way to some extent. But we have to be concerned about grasping onto anything and locking down and being fixated on. <clears throat> then things it starts to turn into what's conventionally called fundamentalism. Um, I didn't hear if you answered the first part of the question. Uh, could you uh, is looking for the truth and grasping for the truth different? So looking or having some uh, curiosity, wanting to find out what this is, wanting to understand this, is is uh, more of a of a an I don't know feeling. It's like looking into a woods, into a forest, to use a strong metaphor of not knowing. <clears throat> Excuse me. You might be able to guess what's what's in there. You might see some eyes looking back out at you, and you might impute or guess or imagine what that is. It might be a tiger, it might be a, uh, a deer, it might be a painting of eyes on a tree. What was the rest of the question? Just the uh, comparison of um, looking for the truth and grasping for the truth. Are they different? So the grasping, the looking is just the curiosity part, uh, just receiving what what... Give everything your attention, and then whatever shows up, uh, receive it. 
This doesn't mean that if it is a tiger and comes running after you, that you should just receive. You should climb a tree. Or what else can you do with tigers? I mean, you might <laughs> say your prayers. <clears throat> or turn into a tiger yourself. The grasping part seems to be finding something that is a pretty tasty, uh, you know, like a cupcake. Pretty tasty. <laughs> it's like that. It's not a cupcake, of course. But it's it's like finding something that we really want and locking down. It's almost like saying, this'll do. This'll work. I'll use this. I'll use, this is how I'm going to, this is how I'm going to look at emptiness. This is how I'm going to look at the teachings of the Buddha. This is how I'm going to look at the way Buddhism teaches this or teaches that. In ancient times, uh, when the Buddha passed, I think there was between 18 and 20 schools uh, that after he passed, uh, he didn't set up any, things in such a way. And sometimes I think it was deliberate. I think he had, he did have a sense of humor. And uh, he just uh, went into his... Uh, uh, into the Tushita heaven or wherever he went and uh, all the schools were all disagreeing and it got worse I think the first council that there was three councils I think in there the first council there was some argument and I think a, I think the second council then then a lot of lay practitioners at first it was just monks and then a lot of lay practitioners got involved and it just got really challenging like a lot of different uh, baseball teams. A question uh, from Don from Virginia. He asks, if I sit with disappointment and observe, is this a form of surrender? It was before you called it that. So you could actually, you can actually work with what you're doing without because here's what happens as soon as whatever is happening as soon as you name it especially if you name it with some kind of a motive to lock down or control something then we tend to we've sealed it off and then whatever's happening on the other side may still be on the move but instead we're we're fine because we're looking at our idea of what that was <clears throat> even even the things you lock down on like in our tradition if you receive vows if you ask and are, and are allowed to receive uh, precepts, those as soon as you as soon as you do that, they immediately start changing. Uh, I'm sure they're I'm pretty sure there isn't a person in here who has uh, is fully ordained or lay ordained that hasn't had the experience of the, their understanding of the vow being totally different than it was before they began to do that. Michelle. So. Does our perceived letting go, is that actually kind of this false sense of control? Is it what? A false sense of control. We say, oh, we're going to let go of something. No. So I, I don't usually, it's not that you couldn't. I'm just going to let that go. It's not that you couldn't do it a little bit like that. But I, I usually don't say, just let it go. I usually say, look at it. Don't throw away the very, uh, as our, in our, metaphor we use is a dharma gate. Uh, a, a dharma means truth and gate means something that's, that uh, you may need to go through. So that difficulty is coming up instead of letting it go. Let's just really look at it first and see the way we hang on. So that you actually see the way your the, the claws of your mind are wrapped around that. Because if you actually see how you're hanging on, 
deeply, if you really see it deeply, there isn't any hanging on. You've already let go. Seeing confusion, seeing confusion completely. You can't see 92% of it. Seeing complete, uh, completely, seeing confusion completely is awakening. The Buddha himself did not awaken to awakening. He awoke to the nature of confusion. But don't take my word for it. Yes. You earlier brought up the teaching of Dzogchen, the Great Perfection. I'm wondering, is our need to have to realize that something that needs to change? I'm not sure if I'm to realize that everything is perfect. It's, uh, that's the part <clears throat> to me. It seems like there's still something that needs to be done that we still need to realize mm -hmm. that. So I'm wondering how how that fits with the teaching of perfection, the Great Perfection. Well, it's already perfect, and you don't think so. I mean, simply put. And uh, to one who understands this deeply, and this is, a, this is a secret teaching, so don't tell anybody. Okay? It's neither perfect nor is it imperfect. We have to teach it somehow. So we'll start with the part that you think is not true. The whole idea of something being perfect or not perfect is extra. We just use the per perfection so that when you see what this is, there isn't anything else but this. There is no wrong. There is no imperfect. It's it's the great perfection. So to realize who you are, uh, it's not that the it's not that you have some kind of a coming out party. And finally, the Buddha. That was hard. I don't recommend it. You you just have a complete, thorough uh, seeing, witnessing of it, and, and you're no longer you're no longer confused. This doesn't mean you're not confused about where you uh, where you stored the the uh, the uh, uh, coffee creamer. Doesn't mean that you don't. What did I do with that? Or or, or look at a, a car and forget how, forget, forget how to start it. <laughs> you guys don't have that. You're all young. But eventually it's going to happen. You're going to look at that and say, I think that's the key. Prius doesn't have a key. That was we, That's why we got one. <laughs> that took turn the key. Eventually they'll, you just tell it where to go and it'll drive itself. Further questions? Roberto. Hi. <laughs> you mentioned transcendental wisdom. Yes. What's the relationship with that and um, ultimate truth? So transcend, uh, transcendental means uh, going beyond. So wisdom, so it's, uh, it's just another way of talking about it. Ultimate truth, just another word. Um, some, you know, if you have ten words, sometimes you'll be drawn more to one set of words that seems to be point. The one I, the one I always use is not separate because it's, there's no Sanskrit pronunciation of it. It's just not. It's very simple because it sure the hell looks like everything is separated, 
that's that's the big thing that we keep you know uh, keep reinforcing our confusion by looking at how separate everything is how do I know you heard me say this so many times I do it all the time I'm doing it now you don't have to be somebody else you don't have to be some idea of somebody who's not confused just see the confusion if you see the confusion the warfare is over the war might have gone, not gone anywhere but there's just no one is at war anymore so the warfare may be there may not you're not concerned you're not concerned whether you have thoughts someone who the manifestation of wisdom could show up as uh, what's talked about in the in the tantric tradition is crazy wisdom and the reason they say that is sometimes those who are realized tend to act in odd ways I'm not justifying anything. I'm not trying to say that it's okay. I don't mean that. <clears throat> I'm probably one of the few people who uh, you could ask about that that would say, uh, I'm not sure. I thought that was funny. <laughs> What's the difference that you brought up to the two terms earlier, prajna and jnana? I'm wondering um, what what those are differently. So, jnana is shnan uh, means to know, and prajnan or prajna is taking the word jnana and adding something onto it. Jnana is just wisdom, and prajna or like prajna paramita is the wisdom that has gone beyond. So it's a it's a it's more on the level of has more of a relative uh, insight uh, seeing something. Prajna Paramita, the sword of Manjushri is the sword of Prajna, double-edged sword. It cuts through self and other, so duality is cut through, the belief in duality. Just another metaphor for seeing what is true. question that you asked yourself earlier but how do you tell if you're on the right path or if you're or how do you motivate yourself when it doesn't seem like you're getting anywhere so there are several ways of doing that and one of the ways of doing that is to set a uh, set an intention like you talked about earlier set set some kind of intention so that you're actually doing something with the path I know I'm not. That's not a complete answer. Is there some aspect of that that you want to go into? Sure. Why would you set the intention if it looks like the practice is unfruitful? Mm-hmm. So um, that's a really good way of saying it. The practice is unfruitful. Maybe the the uh, the understanding of what the actual fruit is uh, is involved with what the basis is and what the path is. So. When you feel like something is unfruitful, you need to go back and look at what what the inspiration was to do this in the first place. Return to your original inspiration to even step on this path. And and look at that, what that is. And then look at the path quality of what what is happening, what's been happening to you personally. 
and and then look at the the desire or the uh, imagination that arises around some kind of expectation of what should be happening rather than what is actually occurring which may feel like losing or loss or no fruit or not maybe it's not the kind of fruit you were looking for or expected <clears throat> so returning to the base, returning to the original first step uh, be a good idea why receive vows or why why begin meditation it seems to be necessary the three jewels the buddha the dharma and the sangha teaching person the, what is being taught and the community of people who are together seems to be a really powerful uh vehicle for um, addressing all different parts of that kind of doubts or or feeling of uh, not getting anywhere and so on. It's not going to solve it. One, each person is going to have to do it themselves. It takes a lot of work to do this. And it's, it's not materially, it's not particularly fruitful. If we don't really realize what we're getting into when we first step onto the path and what is it about that original inspiration that is important to come back to I follow what you're saying I, I think it's I think there's some point there's some kind of some kind of inspiration that that brought that about it's going to be different with everyone there could be some stories around it but there's some kind of fundamental connection that you have it's there now if, if it weren't there you couldn't keep doing this I mean you, you would you would do something else you know you would you would leave you would do something else go ahead just wondering if that inspiration changes <coughs> as we go along yes it could, it could vanish how Just do we how do we return to it if it's vanished we can always return to something. If something hasn't vanished, you don't need to return to. Because it's there. Not separate. Like returning to a dream. A dream is not there. It's vanished. But you can return to it. Are those metaphors reaching you? <laughs> That's not a bad answer. I guess so. Good question. Sir. Could you say that the inspiration for the, the path to follow the path isn't so much a desire as it is um, your inner wisdom coming out, I guess. Does that make any sense at all? It, it could, could function that way. So I guess instead of having to find that motivation um, because you shouldn't grasp at things, uh, you're more of looking for, by the absence of desire, you find your way back to the path. Of, yeah, I don't know about that. Okay. <laughs> Can you paraphrase what you said? I might agree with your paraphrase. The, the lack of passion and desire is the path and so you can't lose the path if you I guess I can't really paraphrase that I'll think about it you have a degree? I do what's it in? Uh, psychology that's what I thought <laughs>
contemplate that for a while. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dissing your your question or your, you know, I don't mean to mock you or anything. That's not it at right. all. Just the, the way you work with that information. <clears throat> yeah, contemplate that. Ask me again. Yes. In exactly 15 days. <laughs> <laughs> Further questions? Joseph, you have any? Um, questions. I, uh, it was different coming down here on, uh, I was listening to YouTube on the way here. So that, it's very different hearing you and then stepping into the, the, the social environment. Uh huh. And the forum feels very different than, than just listening. Interesting. Yeah. Wonder why. That's what I was going to ask you. Why is there a difference? <laughs> blink, blink, blink. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I could speculate, but everybody's already doing that. <laughs> I had no speculation. There is another question from Shane in Grand Rapids. Yeah, Shane. Is naming whatever thoughts arise thinking, or perhaps saying, just observe, appropriate? So that, that's a particular to, when thoughts arise to a, a technique called shine, or shamatha, or mindfulness, to when thoughts arise, this is something that Trungpa Rinpoche taught, uh, it, it, not right away, he'd been here a few years before he began to teach that. Uh, so you're sitting and thoughts arise and you label thinking and return to your to your breath. He said return to your out breath. So it's a way of kind of retraining yourself to, to kind of uh, create kind of a mindful person. And um, <clears throat> uh, my, my uh, way of understanding that is uh, maybe uh, better to just watch what's happening rather than try to create some kind of a mindful guy or girl, somebody who's mindful. Better to really relate direct, directly right where it's at. So when thoughts arise, just observe. Thoughts go away, just observe. And watch the way we add ideas and comments to whatever's arising and going away. It's always about observing. It's always about awareness. It is not about a gaining idea of creating some kind of mindfulness or very, very mindful person. This is uh, a lot of what's happening in the mindfulness community uh, with people like, uh, I'm not criticizing anybody, they're, they're serving people that need that kind of help. They certainly don't <coughs> listen to me, like John Kabat-Zinn or other people who are in that psychological area. So, you know, you could do that. You could do, my, my teaching is just watch what moves. So if you want to sit there and watch your thoughts, I mean, watch your breath come and go for an hour, go ahead. It's just the, the, it's the fixating part of the grasping and trying to have, get a credential when you leave, go out of here. I stayed in my breath the whole hour. It's not helpful to do that. It, it creates a, uh, an artifice. So it's better to be uh, uh, not better. Does that work? Better to be not better? Yes. The two betters. Better and not better. Yes. That's disappointing. I know. I think I feel. What? How? How can we handle that disappointment? 
the, the, there's so much emphasis on getting better, fixing yeah. this broken person or whatever. So what, the, what, the way I talk about this, you've heard me many times, is let's, I'm not saying you can't, there can't be some improvement or some less uh, struggle and warfare, of course. It's the way we approach it that is difficult. We actually buy into the warfare by thinking we can stop this and correct that and smooth this out and tamp that down. We try to do it through some kind of materialism. And we are, we're, you know, we're, we're spiritual beings. We're, we're, we've been downloaded into a physical situation, very low vibration. That's what's why everything looks so damn real. But it's just a, it's a really low frequency dream. This is why we say, wake up. And how do you do that? You have to see the way in which you're asleep. And how do you do that? You look at the way that you keep believing in this and not believing in that. And you just watch the confusion. We, we create it. Uh, as it says in the, what is it, the Book of Miracles, the best line in the whole book. And I read the whole book. So I can't, <laughs> not going to make that statement. But what is real, uh, what is authentic, is not threatened ever. Who you actually are, your, your fundamental reality, is not threatened by death, by life. Not threatened by anything. All of that is just made up. Shannon. Thinking about um, grasping and how we don't just grasp things that we want, but we grasp at things that are very painful, that we don't want. And True. it's kind of like almost a, um, seems like kind of a compulsion sometimes. Yes. Do you think um, maybe one way of working with that or starting to sort of break that up is having a sense of humor around that when that starts to happen? Yes, I do think it's good to have a sense of humor, but it doesn't, it doesn't, you can't create a sense of humor to apply to it. You can't go over here, there's a sense of humor, come back and kind of push the sense of humor into the, into the what's it called, seriosity? No. <laughs> but you can't push it in there. But what you can do, a sense of humor is just a open space with, with, with a bunch of language around it, where the words are bumping into each other. That's why someone who's a comedian, they'll set you up, so that you buy into one thing and then they'll pull the rug out from under you and then you fall over and it's funny. That's all. It's just, it's just a way of structuring a space. Uh, so, <clears throat> my understanding is it seems to be necessary to look at the, the, the clinging that is uh, wanting something and the clinging that is, that is a, a clinging to something that you don't want. Because it gives you a sense of, at least I'm here, at least I'm... At least I know what I am. At least I am somebody. So it's the fear of not non-existing. It's a, we try to trade that off. I'll I'll take the suffering as long as just I don't want that that fear of open space or that fear of falling. The fear of falling is a strong one, and it's been said before that in the the, the realization to use that metaphor metaphor for realization in Buddhism is and maybe in other ways is is that yes you are falling you are going to fall but you never hit bottom because there isn't one. So that eventually you just get used to falling and the fear dissipates. It's amazing to think about how the ego thinks that that is worth it. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, hard. I'm just going to like crank up, yeah. you know, this intense suffering because then, you know, I, it, it's real. Or, control. Yeah. It's just control. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you can't, if, if, if I were to say to somebody, well, just let go, which people often do, 
that's really disrespectful to the nature of confusion. You have to be very careful if you're going to help somebody, which of course you're in the helping tradition, if you're going to help somebody, you have to really respect their confusion. Uh, it's, it's, unless you're really clear about who's in front of you, whether you're a professional or not, uh, just listen, just receive, give no advice. Make them drag it out of you. What do you think I should do? I don't know. What are you doing now? Well, you know what I'm doing. I'm torturing myself. Making myself miserable. Running in circles. Fighting with my spouse. You're not doing that, are you? You thought fighting with Sun Shu? Huh? <laughs> Have you tried fighting with her? <laughs> yeah, I always win when I fight with her. Yeah. <laughs> it's a one-sided battle. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's very, uh, she's very nice. She's very nice. <laughs> I could laugh about that for a long time. <laughs> I think of all the, all the times I've talked with such a... <laughs> Where is she? She being a mama? Yeah. Yes, she's up there with fighting with Rumi. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at the end of our... Uh, this. Thank you so much. So we'll stand and dedicate the merit in the back of our red chant books. I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes we have in the hallway. We rely and are greatly appreciative of any financial support you can help us with. We also welcome any of those of you who would like to have a monthly subscription. Donating to Soka Koji uh, via PayPal, that works for many people, and we would appreciate it if you might consider that. penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. <laughs> 